Coming up on the Rami LaVie podcast, a recap of all of the Sunday games in the NFL, including the Jets' statement win. After being down 14-3, they come back and beat the Buffalo Bills, arguably the best team in football. All that and a whole lot more, plus a Monday Night Football preview. Also, the World Series is over. The Astros are the champions, and it's the birth or rebirth, I should say, of this dynasty. All that and more coming up next. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. One of the things I talk about on this podcast a lot is the stigma against mental health. I think, unfortunately, there has been a stigma, but we're slowly breaking it. And if you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, or maybe you just want to talk to someone, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help access your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in another 48 hours. Plus, you can exchange unlimited text messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. So I talk about on this podcast how your mindset towards things changes everything. One of the things that I learned in therapy was that join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Rami. That's my first name. That's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash R-A-M-I, my first name, Rami. If you use that link, the link is in the description in the podcast notes. If you use that link, you'll get 10% off and it'll also help me out. So please do that. I'm telling you it's worth it. Do it today. Welcome back to the Rami LaVie podcast, episode 111, and obviously for me, hosting this podcast, if you've been listening and paying attention, you know the biggest story is the Jets, and my Jets, they beat the Bills, Um, but not always do I want to start with what is the biggest story for me personally, like I say on this podcast all the time, there are listeners. Um, and it's not just about me. And so while the Jets did beat the Bills on Sunday and it was a fun win, we'll definitely get to that a little bit later. Um, I wanted to start with something that was kind of interesting, something that caught my mind, uh, caught my eye, I guess I should say, uh, in the NFL. And I think it's a story that relates to a bunch of things across the rest of the league. Um, And that happened in the Raiders and Jags game. Just kidding. No, of course I'm going to talk about the Jets. Victory Monday. Let's go. The Jets beat not just a division rival, but they beat one of, if not the best team in the league, a team that no one had them winning. Everyone said Jets lost. We talked about it on Sunday. We talked about Rob Taub said, or Wednesday last uh, week, he talked about they have maybe a 1% chance of winning. I kind of broke it down. I said there was a chance they could come back and win this game, but no, no one realistically thought that this Jets team had any chance. No one was giving us any chance. And I say us. I hate when people do that, but I just did it. 
I'm not going to edit it out. I'm that pumped up. It's victory Monday. The Jets beat the Bills. Was it perfect? No. Were there mistakes? Yes. Is there a lot to talk about? Of course. And of course, that's why I'm starting the podcast with it. It's the first thing to talk about. Jets beat the Bills. Here we go. Crowd going wild. 33 seconds to go in the game. The Jets lead by three. Fourth and 21. As Allen drops back to throw at his own five-yard line. Scrambling to his left. Buying time. Looking downfield. Heaves a bomb for Davis. Sauce Gardner's there. It's knocked away. Sauce Gardner in position on Gabe Davis. Knocks it away. And the Jets are going to take a knee and win it here at MetLife Stadium. You don't get wins like this when you're a Jets fan. You just don't. It doesn't happen very often. And it feels like we've said that more than once this year. And every single time we find a way to discredit it. And maybe after enough times, they're 6-3 and three at the bye. Maybe after enough times, we stop discrediting these wins that they've had. Because over and over, they keep doing it. And they keep proving that they might be a really good team. So I want to talk about this game. I got my pick wrong. So I've never been happier to get a pick wrong. I picked the Bills minus 13.5. No problem with that. And one of the things I talked about on Friday's episode, if you listen to the Friday episodes, I preview all the games. And one of the things I pointed out was the Bills against the run. And the Bills have been really good against the run this year. They're actually fourth in the league in yards allowed, uh, rush yards allowed per game. They allow the fourth fewest coming into this game. But something interesting about that is when you're allowing so few rush yards, part of that and part of what has to be looked into is... How many times the teams that you're playing against are rushing the ball or trying to run the ball? And I always said that the Bills, because they get up early on teams, they don't give up a lot of run yards because teams are trying to battle back and teams are trying to go blow for blow with them. And they're trying to just throw the ball and throw deep shots and take shots down the field to try and keep up with this Bills high-powered offense. We also talked about the Bills coming into this game having 430 yards per game of total offense and 29 points per game. And that is why teams don't run the ball against them. We talked about, right, they're fourth in rush yards allowed per game because when you're scoring 29 points a game and you're putting up 430 yards a game, how do you expect teams to continue to run the ball on you? But the Jets held the Bills to 183 passing yards and only 317 total yards and 17 points. You want to know how the Bills beat the Jets? Because I was listening to local radio. I was actually not listening. I was working on the fan. And the guy who was hosting, I'm sure he knows sports or claims to know sports, but he didn't watch the game. He was just saw the scores popping up randomly on red zone. And he goes, well, how'd that happen? And he looks at the stats and he looks at the box score. And he's like, I don't know. Time of possession is pretty similar. Although the Jets did have the time of possession for most of the game. Uh, it was they, they out. It was like eight more minutes for the Jets. So the Jets did control the time of possession also. But he's like, how did this happen? He's trying to figure it out. It doesn't really make sense. It's just one of those weird games where I guess the Jets got lucky. That was his conclusion because he didn't watch this game. The Jets did not get lucky in this game. I'm sure luck is involved. Luck is always involved. But the Jets' defense in this game, they held him, like I said, 183 yards passing. The only yards they really got, the only time the Bills were effective was when they made Josh Allen run the ball. And he ran the ball well. That long touchdown drive that they had where he ran the ball, by the way, was when Mosley was out of the game. So, with Mosley in the game, who, by the way, with the way the Jets were playing, and this was the game plan on the defensive side, the Jets were going to rush four, drop everyone back, say, we're forcing you to run it, and Mosley was going to be the spy on the quarterback. And when Mosley was out of the game, Josh Allen ate and ran and, and, and scored a touchdown and ran it right down their throats. But the rest of the game, this Jets defense came in there with a game plan, and they said, 
how are we going to control this game? How are we going to win this game? We're going to not let you do what you do best, which is throwing the football. A team that averages, I think, over 300 passing yards per game coming into this week and scoring 29 points per game. We're not going to let you do that. And we're not going to let you have those quick strikes against us. And guess what? When we don't allow you to do that, we can run our offense the way we want to. We can have a game plan offensively that includes running the ball and controlling the clock. And that's what the Jets did. And Mike LaFleur's game plan was excellent. Um, if you look at that from uh, from what Brian Baldinger posted online, if you go to his Twitter, he posted a bunch of videos. But one of the videos he posted was when it was 17-17 uh, on that drive. The Jets started from inside their own 10, I'm pretty sure. They ran similar plays over and over again for like three consecutive times and then ran the same formation and ran a few plays off of it. And they were all running plays until they got down. They had that third down, the throw to Denzel Mims. That drive by the Jets was indicative of everything they were doing all day. And let's, let's take it back to the beginning of the game where the Jets get the pick, right, from Jordan Whitehead, and they don't take advantage of that. And then they go down 14-3 pretty quickly. And by the way, the three, the fact that they kicked the field goal, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but they kicked the field goal there, they take the points. I was actually big in this game. Um, you're down 14-3 against the Bills, and you think it's over. And at that point, the Jets could have abandoned the run, but they did what... Every team does to the Jets. They did what the Jets don't do. They got the ball back, and they're like, we're going to stick with our game plan. They handed the ball off to James Robinson, to Michael Carter. Yeah, we don't have Vera Tucker. We don't have Brees Hall. We're still going to hand it off to the people we do have. And by the way, James Robinson, he looks hurt after his first run. He was like limping and, and dragging his feet a little bit, it looked like, on the sideline. Um it was still a good trade because maybe, you know, next year you didn't give up much for him and he could still be on this team. But the Jets were like, okay, that's fine. We're down 14-3, but they didn't think they were out of it. And that's also the biggest thing. The Jets, everyone counted them out of this game, but they never thought that they were out of this game, whether it was before the game, whether it was after the game. This game showed a ton of resiliency. And as much as I've not given credit to the Jets coaching staff this season, you have to give a ton of credit to Robert Sala and what this Jets coaching staff did because this Jets team was resilient. They showed resolve. They showed heart. They showed soul. And they showed everything that you want to see in a football team. And they don't care what the outside people say. And they also showed improvements. They showed learning. And we'll talk about a few things a little bit later. But there was a play where John Franklin Myers held the guy up. But one of the biggest improvements when you talk about the improvements of the coaching staff and of this team is going into the half this every single week we talked about it there was a problem going into the half where it seemed like the other team was the ball getting the ball coming out of the half and they were the ones scoring right before the half this time it was the Jets a long sustained drive and on that drive yes earlier they went for a long field goal to make it 7-3 but they knew on this drive down 14-3 getting the ball back they were aggressive they went for it on fourth down they picked it up they scored the touchdown and that touchdown drive was huge that touchdown drive and then coming out of the half I honestly think, I still think this, that they would have scored coming out of the half when they had that long drive if it weren't for the delay. So the Jets at the half are down 14-10, and they come out of the half, right? And that drive, they have the fake punt on that drive. So that drive also, they knew was an important drive. The Jets treated the last drive going into the half and the first drive coming out of the half. And by the way, that was a game plan because they won the toss and they deferred to the second half. So they knew they were planning on doing that. And the Jets treated it like must-score drives, which they are. Those two drives are must-score. And LaFleur's game plan throughout complements itself because he ran so many plays off of each other. And it was really smart what they did. And this team had a plan. This team had 
a plan on the offensive side, like we talked about, running the ball and making Josh Allen be a runner on the defensive side. Don't let them have these quick strikes and quick throws on the defensive side that can, can score quickly and control the clock, control the game. And that was the plan clearly going into the game. And it was executed so well by the players. So when you look at this game, when you talk about lucky, when you talk about players missing for Buffalo, which a lot of people are talking about, by the way, they're missing against the Packers. That didn't seem to matter. All those things that you talk about, I think they were missing against Kansas City also. All those things that you talk about, it shows that this team has improved and made strides from where they were, whether it's on the coaching staff, whether it's on the players. Everyone in this organization has made major strides from where they were to where they are today. Now, I talked about the delay. So the Jets come out of the half, right? And then it's delayed. There's that long delay with the camera. And so it's 14-10. The Jets are driving. Wilson looks good. He looks in rhythm. He's driving down the field. And then he fumbles. I truly believe the Jets would have at least punched it in there or at least kicked a field goal there. I don't think they fumble on that drive. If there's not that delay, but he's delayed, everyone's out of whack. But don't forget, it hurts Josh Allen too. It hurt both teams because Josh Allen comes back the other way. He gets sacked and then he throws an interception to Sauce Gardner. So all of a sudden, this defense is playing really well. And Sauce Gardner, I mean, you look at this Jets defense and look at what happened in this game. Quinn and Williams gets a sack. What Reed did, they I also, great game plan. They decided we're going to put Reed with safety help on Diggs. I didn't like it early in the game. It ultimately worked out for them because you saw Josh Allen wasn't targeting Diggs as much in the second half. They stuck with it. I hated it, but they stuck with it and it worked. And then they put Sauce on an island on the other side with Gabe Davis. Jermaine Johnson had a huge sack later in the game. Bryce Huff knocks the ball to make it fourth and 21 on the last drive of the game. Bryce Huff had a huge game. And then, by the way, speaking of, he knocks the ball out. How many times in this game? I think the Bills fumbled it three times and the Jets didn't recover a single time. The only... Jet fumble recovery, I think, was on the Garrett Wilson fumble, which, thank God, they recovered that one. Garrett Wilson got a little overexcited there and fumbled the ball uh, and then recovered it himself. But Sauce Gardner in this game. Sauce Gardner, the interception he made, the plays he makes, they don't throw the ball at him. And he's so good. He knew exactly what he was doing on that last play. Everyone's talking about, oh, pass interference. Well, first of all, he didn't touch Gabe Davis till Gabe Davis reached his arm out. And then once Gabe Davis reached his arm out, he's like, look, I know he reached his arm out first. I will force this ref on the crucial, decisive play of the game to make a call. I will start hitting him back because I know that once he sticks his arm out, I there's a little hand jostling back and forth. He doesn't get knocked away because of how long he is and he stays in the play and he makes the play and he forces the ref. So you want to throw a flag on this in a decisive game and a decisive play of the game? I know you won't. There's not enough here to throw a flag on it. And he makes the play. Sauce Gardner... I mean, the attitude he has and everything after the game is like, yo, we're so excited to play. We can't wait almost like Bart Scott to play after the bye week against uh, the Patriots because that's how this Jets team feels right now. And I mentioned Garrett Wilson. How good was he in this game? He's turned into an elite receiver. And Baldinger pointed this out also where every time he was running routes, he was taking two, sometimes three defenders with him, opening up the rest of the offense, opening up the running game. And Again, part of LaFleur's game plan was to do that. But to me, the biggest story, because the biggest story after last week was him, is Zach Wilson. How is Zach Wilson not the biggest story in this game if he was the biggest story after last week? And we could look at everything that you want to talk about with Zach Wilson. Well, he wasn't that good. He was kind of pedestrian. He fumbled the ball once. Like I said, I don't even hate that fumble because of where it came at the time of the game. But Zach Wilson, to me, what he showed me is just like the rest of the team, he can learn. 
We talked about this with the rest of the team that they learned they made improvements from last week to this week and Zach Wilson, the exact same thing. What were the things we talked about with Zach Wilson last week? He wasn't willing to take a few yards running the ball. When the play wasn't there, he was scrambling around. When the play wasn't there, he was forcing it downfield, throwing interceptions. I think Zach Wilson only threw the ball downfield maybe once on that second and 14 uh, to Denzel Mims that he just overthrew him a little bit and Denzel Mims dove and couldn't make the catch. Like I think that was the only time, that was early in the game, that Zach Wilson tried to throw a ball deep downfield. And it's fine. He wasn't trying to force things because it wasn't there, so he didn't try and force it. We saw what happened in this game. Zach Wilson... When there was an easy short throw, he made it. He made the quick decisions. And I think the numbers, he was like 16 of 19 or something like that in, on throws that he threw the ball, released it under two and a half, in under two and a half seconds. When he had a running lane in front of him, he ran it. He took the yards. And if the play wasn't there, he threw it away and he didn't care. Or he went to his check down and he checked down to receivers. What I learned in this game is that Zach Wilson is coachable. We know he has all the talent. We know he can get the ball downfield. We, can, we know he can make those big plays. Maybe you wait till you have... Brees Hall back and the defense steps up. Maybe you wait till you have Elijah Vera Tucker back and you have more time. We know he can do all those things. All the ad-libbing that he does, especially with a guy like Corey Davis who ad-libs so well with him, he didn't play in this game either. What we needed to see was that Zach Wilson could stand the pocket, catch the ball, deliver the ball, move the pocket a little bit, make the easy throws, make the simple throws, and manage a game and manage the team to victory. And he did that in this game. And he taught you everything you needed to see about Zach Wilson you saw in this game, in my opinion. And so does that mean he's going to be a franchise quarterback? No, but it just shows you that as bad as he was last week, he came back and he didn't feel like he needed to prove a point to the world. He didn't feel like, oh, I played so poorly, so now I need to throw the ball downfield because that would have only made him make the same mistakes. He went out there and said, I'm going to be coachable. I'm going to learn. I'm going to hear everything that was said about me and said to me. And I'm going to make a change. And coming off the worst game of his career, he had, in my opinion, one of the better games of his career. He was not a passenger in this game. He was a big part of this game and a big part of this game plan and what the Jets did to win this game on Sunday. Now, still, (laughs) I'm going to say this, but still, it comes down to the Patriots. Um, After the bye, they have the bye week and then they go to New England. Do I still fully trust this team even at six and three? before they can prove that they can win in New England. No, there's a lot of solid teams in the AFC right now. There's a lot of six and three teams in the AFC. If they were in the NFC, I tell you, yeah, they're probably going to make the playoffs. But they still have to beat the Patriots in New England. And I feel like the mindset of this team right now, though, is a good mindset where they're like, we blew that game. We should have won the game against the Patriots. We're going to go into New England thinking that we can win. And I love that. But after a six and three start through nine games at the bye week, am I going to complain? No, I'm going to enjoy it. I talked about this a few weeks ago. You can nitpick every little thing. And like I said, people are going to talk about the Bills hurt secondary. People are going to talk about every little thing. But I'm not going to be one of those people talking about it. I'm not going to tell you this was a team that was projected to have such a tough start. And by the way, this is why you can't do the win-loss, win-loss thing in the NFL. You never know. This Jets team has surprised everyone. And in one of their biggest wins in the last 10 years as a franchise, they win. They're 6-3 and three at the break. Um, and we'll see what happens going forward, but you can't be not excited for the second half after what we saw today from the Jets. By the way, speaking of um, what I mentioned earlier about running the ball even when you're down, and also since we mentioned them and I kind of teased them a little bit, I do want to talk about the Las Vegas against the Jags game as we go through the games in the NFL like we do on every Monday podcast, even when it's not a victory Monday for my Jets. We talk about all the games and only 13 games this week. And we already talked about 
Thursday night's game, and we're not going to be talking about tonight's game, although we'll be previewing it, so we'll talk more about it on uh, uh, on Wednesday's podcast. So uh, it might be a shorter episode. I know whenever I say that, it's never a shorter episode, but this week might actually be because we don't have that many games. So Las Vegas beats, or the Jaguars actually, I should say, beat Las Vegas. I got my pick wrong in this game. I took Vegas minus one and a half. And in this game, the Raiders had a 17 to nothing lead. And I looked away because I was working. Like I said, they were up 17 nothing, and it felt like a game that they should win. Um, they were up 20-10 at the half. And the next thing I know, I look back up, up on, on my TV from uh, where, the board that I was working on at work, and I see just Las Vegas down 27-20, laddering the ball a thousand times. And this is exactly what I talked about in the Jets game. They stuck with the game plan. The Jags in this game, it would have been very easy for them to go away from their game plan. It would have made sense for them to say, okay, we thought we had this game. We're down 17 nothing. Let's start throwing the ball. Let's start relying on our young quarterback. But the problem with that is that once you go away from your game plan, that's not your strength anymore. And relying on Trevor Lawrence has not been something that has gone very well for this team. And so they were actually smart. They said, look, it's 17 nothing, but it's early. Travis Etienne, we just traded away our backup running back because we really trust this guy and we really love this guy. We're going to run through him and we're going to run the offense through him. And they did. And they stuck to the game plan so many times we see in the NFL. And we talked about this when the Jets were down 14-3. We talked about this now 17-0 down against the Raiders. So many teams abandon what they are best at, which is running the ball a lot of times or whatever their game plan is because they panic. And this Jags team, I don't think they're a particularly good team, but they did not panic. First of all, also, Devontae Adams, like I said, <laughs> they keep losing. Of the divorces, because their divorce is a theme this week, I guess, uh, with Tom Brady. He's 1-0 since being divorced. I don't know if you heard. Um, but Rodgers and his loss and Adams, who's happier in that divorce? I would probably, I don't know. I'd say that they'd probably want to be back together because Mike McDaniels has proven that he's not a good head coach. I think Frank Reich might be coaching this team uh, within a couple of weeks. I've talked about Frank Reich a bunch on this podcast already um, over the last few weeks, but he might be coaching the Las Vegas Raiders by the start of next year because Mike McDaniels in his second opportunity, he had a 17 point lead again in this game. And he's proven that, I don't know, he can't hold on to, I think the Raiders are now two and six. Speaking of Frank Reich though, he gets fired today. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but they lose to New England. I got my pick wrong also. I took Indianapolis to cover the five and a half. They lose to New England 26-3 to in a game where Bill Belichick knows what he's doing and he knows that kicking field goals against a bad team, it works. We talked about the Jets taking the points early when they were down 7 nothing in that game, but then obviously changing that. They knew they had to score going into the half and coming out of the half and on those drives. They went for it on fourth downs. Um, and so Bill Belichick knows, though. And he's like, I'm playing against Sam Ellinger. I can take the field goals. And I think... Uh, Nick Folk had seven field goals or something like that in this game as the Patriots win 26-3. to And Frank Reich gets fired today, and we talked about this on this podcast, but he was set up to fail. Like, Frank Reich, in my opinion, had been set up to fail this entire time. This team's inability to recover from the fact that Andrew Luck walked out on them three years ago or four years ago at this point, whatever it was, four or five years ago, whether it was Phillip Rivers, whether it was Jacoby Brissett, whether it was Carson Wentz or whether now it's um, Matt Ryan. It just, he was set up to fail time and time again. They couldn't recover. The expectations were way too high. And apparently I heard that it was the owner, Jim Ursay, who uh, wanted Matt Ryan to be benched, but Matt Ryan gets benched. And then they also fire the offensive coordinator. And at some point there's nobody left to blame but Frank Reich and he's out of a job. 
But then they bring in Jeff Saturday, another guy who's going to be set up to fail. This is a guy who has never had coaching experience outside of the high school level. He coached high school, and that's it. He was a great player for this franchise. But who's to say he's going to be a head coach? And I've heard people talking about how people are upset uh, in the NFL, people who have paid their dues, worked as assistants, worked as coaches, worked as literally every little thing from taking the garbage out to all the way to assistant coaches, sometimes coordinators in the NFL are upset because why is this guy getting into this opportunity? And I'm happy for Jeff Saturday, but what's to say he's going to do well? This is not a good opportunity for you if you're Jeff Saturday. He's going to be the interim head coach till the end of the season. But this is a guy, like I said, has never coached before. And just because he was a good center for this team, for Peyton Manning for a long time, it makes no sense. That I mean, good for Frank Reich that he got out of there. Now he gets a head, head start, I guess, on the next coaching job. And there'll be a bunch available for him if he wants the mess in Carolina, if he wants the mess, I don't know, a bunch of places around the league, like I mentioned, Vegas. Also, speaking of bad teams, because I think Indianapolis is bad, Atlanta and the Chargers. And this was, I got the pick right. Uh, I took the Chargers minus two and a half. They do beat the Chargers. They do beat Atlanta, I should say, 20 to 17, one of a few 20 to 17 scores uh on sunday um and here's the thing i told you to bet the under in this game and i remember when you have two bad teams and they play sloppy don't bet the under because what happens is it's going to be a sloppy game and even though these two offenses and secondaries aren't very good or the offenses are good and the secondaries are not who knows what's going to happen on sunday because both these teams essentially just suck and when it's a slop fest it's hard to score points that's generally what happens I have a question, though, in this game. What's wrong with Justin Herbert? Because everyone, all anyone wanted to do was talk about Justin Herbert. And is Justin Herbert not as good as we initially thought? Or did we just hype him up too much? What's the problem? Did we overrate him? Or is he? why is he playing so poorly? Is he still hurt? So that's kind of the biggest question I had coming out of this game. Because they still have Austin Eckler. They still have some receivers. Uh, I know Mike Williams and uh, Keenan Allen are both hurt. So uh, maybe that's affecting... Justin Herbert right now, but it doesn't seem like he's the same guy. Even in that game when he got hurt, uh, what was it, a Thursday night game, I think it was, even in that game, he looked better than he looks right now. Um, So I think it's fair to ask what's going on with uh, Justin Herbert over the last few weeks, and maybe he's just still hurt, and maybe that's the answer. But I don't think that's a particularly good team, and I don't think Atlanta's a particularly good team. Look, we talked about this last week, that Atlanta maybe could win this division, but again, they almost lost to Carolina last week. So no one should be shocked that they lose now to the Chargers, who aren't a very good team. And overall, it's just a bad division. And we mentioned Carolina. Carolina, again this week, in another game, they get blown out. I got this pick wrong also. I thought they'd cover the 8.5. They get blown out by Cincinnati. This is why the NFL, you can't pick the NFL. And we talked about this week was a tough week in general to pick because it's so unpredictable. You have last week where Cincinnati just looks like they can't do anything offensively. And then this week... They look like a completely different team. Joe Mixon has five touchdowns in this game, and they crush. They absolutely crush Carolina. Baker Mayfield comes back in, so that's fun. And I don't know what to make of Cincy right now. Can I tell you that they're as good as the Ravens and are going to win that division? Maybe. Maybe they don't, aren't even as good as Cleveland. They haven't beaten Cleveland ever. Or Joe Burrow, I think, hasn't beaten Cleveland ever. So um, you have that, and you also now have... Uh, Cleveland coming back. You have Deshaun Watson coming back. So who knows what Cleveland's going to look like, right? Um, in the future as we move forward for the rest of the season. So I don't know what to make of Cincy. Is Baker back now though for Carolina? Is he going to be the quarterback going forward? I'm not sure. They still have DJ Moore, but they're really building for the future. And they do have DJ Moore though, because they did not trade him. DJ Moore is really good. And he was rumored to be traded 
to the Packers this week, and the Packers could have used him. The Packers put up nine points against a Detroit defense that is not a very good defense. I got this pick right because I took Detroit to cover. I didn't think they'd win necessarily, but I told you it was not out of the realm of possibility that they would. I gave you some stats before the game when we talked about Detroit's offense is better than the Packers' offense. But all the stats we talked about pointed to one thing. Run the damn ball if you are the Packers. And they refuse to run the ball, and it becomes more and more mind-boggling every week that they refuse to run the ball. Inside the red zone, they still weren't running the ball, whether it was Jones, whether it was Dylan, And then Rodgers throws two interceptions in the red zone, three interceptions in the game. And Rodgers now, I made a call about him earlier in the week. I was like, Rodgers kind of looks like... Uh, I don't know if you saw Baby Driver. Baby Driver, I thought it was a great movie. It's a funny movie. It's a good movie um, and great music too. Uh, and I think it's Ansel Elgort is the main character. Either way, Baby Driver has John Hamm in it and he at, turns into a total psycho at the end of the movie and he gets like these crazy eyes and this crazy look in his eyes and he also has a similar haircut to Rogers. And I said Rogers every game when he's on the sideline looks like John Hamm at the end of that movie. He looks so angry and... Uh, it's getting scary. If you're a Packer fan or if you're just watching Aaron Rodgers and you're a fan of Aaron Rodgers like I am and I have been, yeah, you could blame the wide receivers and we talked about it last week where they didn't give up the picks necessary or they were actually willing to give up a first-round pick apparently for DJ Moore, but they couldn't get the trades done uh, for Aaron Rodgers to have another receiver and it's hurting them now and it sucks because this team could be, in my opinion, pretty good, but uh, they just don't have enough right now and it's... It's mind-boggling to watch Rodgers at this state and the state that he's in currently. As far as the Lions, I don't think they're a very good team still. I guess one of the more likable head coaches in the league gets to keep his job for one more league. And after the game, he's like, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm going to go get a beer. Dan Campbell's hard to root against. He's easy to root for. uh, But I don't think it's a great win. And at this point, you're running out of time. Like, I don't think Green Bay can come back. They might not even make the playoffs, and they most likely won't make the playoffs. And at some point, we're probably going to see Rodgers shut it down for the season because I don't think he's enjoying this very much right now. Um, Who will win the division? I guess Minnesota because they keep winning. They win in the Kirk Cousins revenge game, I guess. He goes back to Washington, and he wins. Um, It's the third, by the way, if you're counting, third 20-17 to victory of the day uh, or final score of the day. My pick was wrong again because I picked Minnesota minus 3.5. And while Washington was in this game the whole way, 1 p.m. Kirk almost lost it, but he pulled it out at the end. Heineke throws a key interception late. That's what you get with Heineke. Like I said, he's a gunslinger. He's going to take chances. So in a 17-17 game, he throws a terrible interception. uh, And ultimately, they come back and win it. Um, Minnesota does. And now Minnesota, similar to Philly, doesn't have a ton of tough games on their schedule. So... When we look at the schedule game, and I said we can't do this because win, loss, win, loss. We know how that goes, Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn, by the way, just uh, quickly. Before the season, he had a video come out where he was going, well, the Jets are going to be 0-9 or 1-8 at the, at, at the break, at, at their bye week. So th- their, their season is done before it started. They definitely won't win five games. Well, the Jets' win total was 5.5 for the total season. That was their over-under, and now they've won six games already. So good job, Jets. Bad job, Brady Quinn. But that's why I don't play the schedule game. I don't go win, loss, win, loss, looking at the schedule because the NFL, you never know what's going to happen and what teams are going to look like. If you look at the beginning of the season, what looked like an easy game or a hard game for the Jets, for example, you would have said in Green Bay, impossible game to win versus in Seattle, that's a very winnable game for the Jets. And now obviously it totally flip-flops. When you look at in Denver against Russell Wilson, that's a hard game for the Jets. You looked at, I don't know, 
against Minnesota, not as hard of a game, but it flip-flops. So when you do that before the season, it's just stupid. Um, and even if you do it in the middle of the season, because so much happens in the NFL throughout the season. So that said, you look at Minnesota and you look at the teams they're playing against. I'm not going to go game by game, but it looks like they should have a 12-13 win season with the way they've started. And you think about it, it makes sense. They have Cook, they have Thielen, Hawkinson now, and of course, Justin Jefferson. This team is loaded on the offensive end. The only thing that's holding them back, the only reason they didn't blow out a team like Washington might be Kirk Cousins. And like I said, if they play every game at 1 p.m., they could win a Super Bowl. Their only loss is on Monday night to a team that's probably right now the best team in the NFC uh, in the Philadelphia Eagles. Sticking in the North Division, because we talked about Minnesota, we talked about Green Bay and Detroit. The last team is Chicago. They lost but a respectable loss, 35-32 to 32, uh, against Miami. So Miami didn't cover. I get my pick wrong again. And all of a sudden, Justin Fields is a great quarterback. Like, I don't understand how this works. He rushes for 178 yards. He had four total touchdowns, three of them passing, one of them running. And he was unstoppable today. And Mike McDaniel even said to him, he runs on the sideline. And I love Mike McDaniel. He runs on the sideline after one of his runs. And Mike McDaniel's like, just stop it, dude. Can you just stop it? <laughs> it was actually a really funny video and classic Mike McDaniel just showing his personality uh, during a game. I, I, I love that guy. He's, he's fun. He's fun as a football coach. And I think he's a good football coach. But the Dolphins' D was Swiss cheese in this game. They stunk. They bring in Bradley Chubb. You expect this defense to all of a sudden look like a different defense, look better. No, they allowed 32 points. Still not as many points as they allowed to the Jets, I know. But 32 points in this game. And I'm not even sold on two in this game. He still doesn't look like he's back to where he was pre-head injury. Like, he had a bunch of easy throws, short throws that he missed. I know the deep balls to Tyreek and all that stuff. And Tyreek has, I think it's the most catches in the first nine games of a season or the most yards in the first nine games of the season. And Tyreek is incredible. He's as good a receiver as we've seen in the league in a really long time. But I don't know this team. There's something a little bit off with them, whether it's Tua, whether it's just the team as a whole, they're really talented. I thought they should have beaten Chicago by four. And I said on last episode that they should run off a bunch of wins and they still can. I love the coach. There's a ton of talent on this team and I believe in Tua more than other people, but it seems like there's something still a little bit off and this win, despite getting the win, uh, this week's performance didn't inspire a ton of confidence in me in this Miami team. In a wild change of events and a game that I actually picked correctly, uh, and the late, we talk about the four o'clock games, like we said, not a lot of games on this slate with six teams on the bye. just doesn't make sense to me. You didn't have, have a London game, so you should have put more games in the afternoon. You only had two late games with... Seattle and Arizona was the first one and I got that pick right Seattle wins by 10 they were dogs in this game which doesn't make sense so when are we going to stop making them dogs in games like when are we going to take Seattle seriously we're already talking about Geno Smith as comeback player of the year we're talking about him as maybe even MVP caliber conversation although I think there's obviously guys who are way ahead of him at this point but he could work his way into that conversation although Kenneth Walker is definitely the guy who right now is carrying the team. But Gino's been incredible. He throws a pick in this game, but so what? He's been really good. Um, and at this point, like, are we going to stop making them dogs? Are we going to talk about them pot potentially winning this division? They're 6-3 and three now. That's better than San Francisco's 4-4. Four and four. Are we going to talk about them winning a playoff game maybe? Are we going to talk about them in the same conversation that we talk about Minnesota and Philly? Are we going to still keep looking at the Giants? and Seattle is less than in the NFC. I'm not sure, but uh, it seems like it's time to start taking them a little bit seriously. As far as Kyler Murray, um, more sideline arguments. He's Like I said, he has the big playability. At any point, he could just pop a playoff. He's so talented, but 
like I said, also, he just does not look like a great quarterback at times. Just not does not look like a great NFL caliber quarterback at certain points and the arguments on the sideline. And in my opinion, Cliff Kingsbury probably will be the next guy to go. And I do want to take the opportunity because I, I forgot this. And I sometimes I say things and I do because I, I made it my job to put a microphone in my in front of my face and talk about things. It's not my job, but now it's becoming my job. And, you know, I, I do it on the radio and, and TV a little bit. And now I'm doing it mostly with my podcast still. Um, it's reactionary. You say things that you think. You say things that you try and say something that you think is either going to happen or did happen. You try and break something down. And when I talked about Frank Reich and I, I looked at the video, I looked back. I think I was disrespectful in talking about someone's job like that. I know that you do talk about coaches getting fired. It's part of the job when you become a head coach in the NFL or GM or any sport. Um part of it is being fired but someone's livelihood it's someone's living and so I think the way I said it was a little bit disrespectful um, towards Frank Reich so if anyone's sensitive to it I do apologize and I will say it again because it's it's something that happens it's part of the job like I said but Cliff Kingsbury will probably be the next guy and and like I said I hope this isn't disrespectful and I won't say this every time I won't apologize every time I just thought the way I said about Frank Reich was a little disrespectful um, but Cliff Kingsbury could very likely uh, be next in that category of head coaches looking for new jobs. He hasn't done a particularly good job, and it seems like there's talent on this team, and he can't seem to get them to gel and get along, and that's a problem. When you see the arguments on the bench, when you see the team with infighting, that's when you know there might be a problem with the team, and so I could see Cliff Kingsbury being the next coach gone uh, in Arizona. Now, there was one late game before the Sunday night game, and I also got this pick right. So this puts me at five and six so far on the week um, going into Sunday night. And that was Tampa Bay and the Rams. And Brady's still Brady. So this game was not good. This game was not fun. I don't think anyone enjoyed this game, but getting to see Brady drive down the field uh, and put up a touchdown and a two-point conversion at the end of that game, it was vintage. It was fun. It was like... You just want to see this guy do it. You don't enjoy, and I talked about this a few times already, you don't enjoy when great players are bad at the end of the career. Nobody enjoys watching that, whether it's Rodgers, whether it's Brady, whether it was Derek Jeter in his final season, whether it's LeBron James. It doesn't matter who it is. When players start to slow down and they don't look like the same guy, it's not a fun experience for anyone. And it was nice to see in this game, it was nice to see Brady just have a vintage moment where he drives right down the field. Uh, as far as the Rams, like I said, I don't think they're particularly good. Sean McVay is already planting the seeds. We heard that he's only going to stay with the Rams as long as his core is there, whether it's uh, Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. But Donald and Stafford could be gone after this season, in my opinion. They could just retire. Donald almost retired after last year. So I think... Uh, when you look at this team, I think McVay might just be burnt out. He won the Super Bowl. It was tough. It was He accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. He has money in TV waiting for him if he wants it. I think he'd go. I think he's young enough that he could come back in a few years, rejuvenate it, and still be competitive and want to win more. And uh, Peter Schrager, who knows Sean McVay very well, they're friends. They do a podcast together. He talked about how he thinks that's a possibility. He knows Sean, knowing Sean, he thinks that he's a very competitive guy and he likes the camaraderie in the locker room. So he thinks he will return to football, but he thinks also that there's a possibility he does leave for TV uh, only to then return uh, maybe even a year or two later, but just needs a little bit of a break. Um, and I think it's showing this year, the fact that he thought about it after last season kind of makes you think that maybe he's not fully in it and engaged as he would be this year. 
also in this game, a lot of people talking about Brady want to know since the divorce. So who really won that divorce? We talked about the Adams and Rogers divorce. Brady so far winning quite literally that divorce. He's want to know. And both these teams, in my opinion, still not very good teams. Will the Bucks now win the South after we saw how Carolina, Atlanta, those teams played? We'll see how the Saints play tonight. Yeah, I think Carolina at four and five, or sorry, the Bucks at four and five still have the best shot at winning the South and making the playoffs. But I don't think they're a very good team. But you put Tom Brady in the playoffs, you never know what could happen. Sunday night football, and I got this pick right. Also, the final was Kansas City 20 to Tennessee 17, the fourth 20 to 17 final of the game of the week, I should say. And Tennessee, we they did exactly what I said they would do. They ran the ball. They're a well-coached team. They weren't going to get blown out by Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs on Sunday night football. I didn't think so. They controlled the clock. And then Mahomes did what Mahomes does. He comes back and he wins the game down the stretch. He ties it, sends it to overtime, and then ultimately wins it, or I guess... That was the one that was an eight point. I think I mentioned before that Brady had uh, had put up eight points. I don't remember if both of them. I know Brady put up the touchdown, the game-winning touchdown. Uh, Mahomes also put up eight points because he was down 17 to nine uh, to send it to overtime, and then they win it to overtime. And I hope we see a matchup because this game was fun. It was chippy. And Patrick Mahomes, while he did what he wanted to do a lot of the time early in the game, he was not just doing whatever he wanted to do at all points throughout this game and that's what great teams and well-coached teams and well-disciplined teams like Tennessee and Mike Rabel can do to you they control the clock they control the game they ran the ball and even with their backup quarterback as I think this game does prove to you the Tannehill matters Tannehill makes a difference Um, I think even with their backup quarterback though the game plan was what kept them in it in this game and I hope we like I said it was chippy it was fun it had a postseason vibe to it on Sunday night Uh, I'd like to see a rematch of this game in the playoffs even though the Chiefs will probably win that one as well and at this point, Kansas City's probably the best team in the NFL. Like, if I had to pick a team, I'd still take Kansas City. Yeah, it wasn't great. They didn't blow them out. But winning different styles of football games tells you more about a team than just blowing teams out every week. And Buffalo, in a close game where it was chippy and it was back and forth and it was a tough, gritty type of game where you had to run the ball and do different things, they didn't accomplish the win. They didn't win against the Jets in that 20-17 to final in this game. Uh Kansas City, despite losing to Buffalo, they did win. Uh, They lost also to the Colts. So, yes, Kansas City has a couple bad losses on their resume this season. But in my opinion, Kansas City is still the team to beat in the NFL. All right, we're going to preview Monday Night Football, tonight's game, and then we will get out of there. And I hope to have this episode. It's a little bit earlier in the day on Monday, but uh, I got a bunch of stuff to do today with Fox and uh, some errands. So, hopefully, we'll have this episode out before the Monday Night game, um, and then we can have you have a pick for Monday night. And in Monday night, I thought Baltimore would be favored at New Orleans by three. They're not. They're favored by only one and a half. So I'm going to take the Ravens in this game. Like I said, didn't work out great for me. I'm six and six so far in my picks on the week. Got to be married to the system. If the system is a system, you got to be married to it if you have a system. For the Ravens, I understand why they're not favored by more. There's a lot of injuries on their team, whether it's the running backs, the tight ends, and now they also lose their, I guess, one of their top receivers in Bateman. But Lamar's still Lamar. I think Deshaun Jackson's going to be playing in this game. We'll see how that goes. And if you look at the Ravens team as a whole, outside of fourth quarters, they've been a really, really good team. In fact, one of the best all-around three phases of the game teams in football. When you talk about Lamar running the ball and what they did in the second half where Lamar ran it and they ran it with the running backs to set up the throws. And Lamar was 8-for-8 throwing the ball because he had easy throws off of those running plays. 
You talk about the special teams and Justin Tucker. That's all you need to say, Justin Tucker. And you talk about the defense. This defense, the numbers are not good, but the defense has been really good if you take away fourth quarters. I know you can't take away fourth quarters, and I don't know what it is about this team that has fallen, that has them falling apart in these fourth quarters. But the last few weeks, they've been able to pull out some games late, and the defense just got better. They added Roquan Smith. I know that doesn't help the secondary necessarily, but yes, when you can get more pressure up front and JPP and Rokon Smith and those guys are going to be getting more pressure up front, it helps the secondary, it helps the rest of the defense. And like I said, their rookie safety is getting better. He's getting older, Kyle Hamilton. So there is a lot to like on this team and I think they win. And they also have the easiest strength of schedule. I know we don't do this on this podcast, but they have the easiest strength of schedule uh, going forward for the rest of the season. They have the easiest of anyone in the NFL. So I think they'll win tonight, and I think they'll actually run off a bunch of games in a row and actually make the playoffs as a division winner, a division winner that could win 12 or 13 games uh, in the AFC North. And Monday Night Football is made for the Ravens. I mean, Monday Night Football games, just like Thursday Night games, always sloppy, always weird games. And the Ravens, they love winning those sloppy games. So I think they'll win and cover the one and a half tonight. The last thing before I go, uh, I did want to wrap a bow on the World Series. I said what I needed to say already uh, before game six on Friday's episode. Uh, but just congrats to a team that is a really good team, the Houston Astros. Like I said, uh, you can't hate them anymore. This is not even the same team that cheated. And maybe we'll find out that they were cheating, but I doubt it. This team has built and reinvented themselves time and time again. And I truly believe they've become a dynasty. And when you look at the core they have now with Pena, Alvarez, Bregman, Tucker, all the young arms they have, Altuve stunk in the playoffs. He was not a part of this championship run at all. He didn't do anything. He did not contribute in any way uh, in the postseason. And yet they win almost in spite of him. Alvarez wasn't even that good, but Pena, what he's done at shortstop, like I said, he wins the ALCS MVP he wins the World Series MVP so I guess he's the playoffs MVP like I said if you had one of those like you do in hockey uh the Phillies a little bit of a different story I don't know if they'll be back they caught lightning in a bottle it seems like they have a good team maybe they can build on it they still have some young guys their best pitcher is Zach Wheeler and I think this is just to me baseball is broken like how do you take Zach Wheeler out of that game he's not just your best starter he's your best pitcher and it's a baseball mentality that you take him out because you have to go to the bullpen and play the matchups. I think there's a certain mentality in baseball right now that's broken that I'd like to see changed. And hopefully after the Blake Snell stuff, after this stuff, like I just want to see it changed already. Enough is enough. Uh, but who knows what's going to happen. It doesn't look like baseball is moving towards keeping starters in for longer. It's moving the opposite direction. Uh, everything else, we'll catch up on NBA, NHL. We'll talk more football and go more in depth in these games. I just wanted to do the quick recap uh, and preview Monday Night Football. So a lot more to come on Wednesday's episode. Again, I love every single person who listens to this and appreciate it so much. Uh, so if you're new here, please subscribe, rate, review. And if you've been here before, share it. Share it with your friends. Share it with people who love it and might love it. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. You. With the best nights of my life You got the light that always shines I miss the way that you move and the way I get high When you take me to your eyes Like I'm standing in the sky I see your subway cars and your old graffiti I 